Please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode. Here's what's ahead on this week's Investing Insights. Meta appears ready to make a comeback. What our analyst thinks about the latest moves from Facebook's parent company. Plus, we look at three dividend stocks, popular income investors, and a new way to invest rippled through the financial markets 30 years ago. Morningstar's ETF investor newsletter editor will join me to discuss the influence of the world's largest ETF. This is Investing Insights. Welcome to Investing Insights. I'm your host, Ivana Hampton, and let's get started with a look at the Morningstar headlines. Facebook parent company, Meta Platforms, appears well-positioned for a return to growth. The social media giant reported a better-than-expected fourth quarter despite factors like currency headwinds and macro uncertainty. Both drove down revenue. Meta also appears to have improved ad conversions on its apps. For example, that could include users clicking on an ad, watching a video, or buying something off an ad. And that is likely to raise demand from advertisers and lessen the impact of Apple's privacy policy on revenue. Meta's network effect remains intact as it saw daily and monthly user growth. Morningstar is pleased with management's effort to bring costs under control while accelerating revenue growth. Meta's aggressive share buyback supports our outlook. Meanwhile, we've slightly lowered our growth projections. It appears some advertisers are hesitant about more spending due to fear of a possible economic downturn. Morningstar is maintaining our $260 estimate of what we think the stock is worth, and we think it's undervalued. Amazon is tightening its belt while focusing on long-term growth. The e-commerce giant's sales reached almost $150 billion in the fourth quarter of 2022, and that was better than the company's outlook and Wall Street's estimates. However, the world's largest online retailer's net income fell far short of expectations. Online shoppers and cloud computing service customers reined in their spending. Amazon CEO Andy Jassy says, The company will help cost-conscious customers spend less in this uncertain economy. He says Amazon has a robust pipeline of customers for its cloud platform, known as Amazon Web Services. Morningstar senior equity analyst Dan Romanoff says he foresees cloud computing services, e-commerce rapid increase, and advertising, driving healthy long-term growth. However, he says the near term remains a work in progress with macro issues weighing on 2023. Romanov has lowered his estimate of what he thinks Amazon stock is worth by $13. It's now $137, but he considers the stock undervalued. Pfizer posted record revenue for 2022, boosted by sales of its COVID-19 treatments, but it gave a lower-than-expected outlook for 2023 as the world emerges from the pandemic. The company expects to take hits on declining sales of its COVID vaccine and antiviral pill, and that's along with heavy investments into research and development, as well as marketing. However, the magnitude of the investments may be surprising. They should help Pfizer prepare for major patent losses between 2025 and 2028. And the list includes big-name drugs like Zeljans and Eliquis. Morningstar expects Pfizer will face some pressure over this period, but thinks the company is poised to largely avoid any big earnings declines. We don't expect to change our $48 estimate of what we think Pfizer stock is worth, and we consider the shares undervalued. 
McDonald's return to pre-pandemic profitability could take longer than expected. The fast food giant reported its fourth quarter results and 2023 outlook. And earnings per share of $2.59 aligned closely with Morningstar's forecast. Strong customer traffic offset softer-than-expected margins. The U.S. and international restaurant margins missed Morningstar's forecast. We now project slightly softer earnings growth in 2023, with a full recovery to pre-pandemic restaurant margins likely stretching out until about 2027. We continue to view McDonald's as well-positioned to navigate current headwinds like inflation, with its value-driven menu appealing to cash-strapped consumers. We expect McDonald's to benefit from customers trading down from full-service restaurants, and its growing loyalty program should also prop up traffic. Morningstar thinks McDonald's long-term roadmap is intact. However, we have lowered our estimate of what we think the stock is worth to $240. We consider shares overvalued. The world's largest ETF is celebrating a milestone this year. Spider S&P 500 ETF Trust, better known as SPY, has turned 30 years old. It's the big 3-0. And I'm going to talk with Brian Armour about SPY's impact on the financial markets. Brian is Morningstar Research Services Director of Passive Strategies Research for North America, and he's also the editor of the Morningstar ETF Investor Newsletter. So SPY launched in 1993. It was the new kid on Wall Street compared to other investments. Brian, can we start with you describing what an ETF is? Yeah, so an ETF is an exchange trade fund. So it's exactly what the name implies. It's a fund like a mutual fund that trades on exchange like stocks. And so um, what ETFs do is they pool investor money and then hold, you know, in return, return exposure to uh, stocks and bonds and other investments like that. And um, ETFs tend to be a little more um, cost effective, tax efficient than um, mutual funds, which is why we're, we're seeing ETFs grow in popularity. So at the time of SPY's launch, index funds popularity was growing. How did that help ETFs? Yeah, so um, ETF, index funds are highly popular now, but um, not so long ago it would have been laughable for you know a, a, to to say that investor would just accept market returns. And so um, you know Jack Bogle was a, a big trailblazer for index funds and. Um, you know, Vanguard was really starting to to roll in, in the early 90s and, and gain some assets. And um, he actually, Jack Bogle, made a comment in 1992, the year before SPY launched, that um, he believed that the Vanguard S&P 500 index fund would um, become the largest fund in the world, overtake Fidelity Magellan um, by the year 2000, which it, which it did um, in, in 2000. And so... Um, you know, Jack Bogle and a lot of the index fund advocates really laid the groundwork for um, SPY and for ETFs um, and, and to, to benefit from. So SPY tracks the S&P 500 index and it falls into the passively managed camp. Mm-hmm. Um, how has the ETF market evolved to include active ETFs? Yeah, so um, active ETFs have been around for a long time. Um, but, you know, because of the way they started that we were just talking about, you know, um, ETFs are more synonymous with passive investing. Um, but they've been, a, active ETFs have been more of a niche 
part of the ETF market. And so, um, you know, what we've seen in recent years is that in the last three years, basically, regulations changed. Um, and we've, see, we've seen a couple big asset managers of active um, mutual funds come over to the ETF space and launch their first active ETFs. And so that's Dimensional Fund Advisors, um, Capital Group, and T. Rowe Price, um, for, for example. And they, so they all launched their first ETFs in um, the last three years. And, and so we've seen active ETFs make a huge push forward. And so they're, they're only about 5% of the ETF market today, um, but... Uh, they're growing at a faster rate than the rest of the ETF market. So SPY's influence has spread over the last 30 years. Where does the ETF market stand today? Yeah, the ETF market's booming. So it's 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 at about $7 trillion of assets under management today. Um, and um, it's, it's growing at a, a fast clip. And so one of the big um, offerings that ETFs have is they, they basically have thousands of strategies in the U.S. alone that cover every asset class, active, passive, anything any investor could ever want. Um, and uh, we've seen a big shift from mutual funds to ETFs. Um, so that growth in assets is, is only going to continue. Um, in 2022, um, mutual funds lost about a trillion dollars in, in net outflows and and. ETFs, on the other hand, took in $550 billion. So there's a big shift from mutual funds to ETFs. So we're talking about the, the big ETF market, but what's made SPY in particular so successful since its debut? Yeah, so SPY has been really successful in three different ways. Like, number one, um, attracting assets. And and like I said, a lot of that goes back to sort of the, the burgeoning index fund market um, and and being an extension of that. But, um, you know, it was a novel product at the time. It was the first ETF launch in the U.S. And um, so that's really helped. But also in terms of performance, you know, it, it like the Vanguard S&P 500 index fund, it tracks the S&P 500. It has a low fee. Um, and that's all it really took to, to outperform um, and – you know, it, competitors and, and in terms of U.S. stock funds that existed in 1993 when SPY launched um, until the end of 2022, um, SPY was in the sixth percentile um, overall in terms of performance. And so that um, that's a huge boon to, to ETFs and for SPY, um, and it really sort of set the tone for ETFs and made them a viable investment strategy. Um and a large part of that was three quarters of the U.S. stock funds that existed in 1993 are no longer around. Um, but but even still, of the ones that did survive, um, SPY beat 71% of them. So, um, you know, it's it's a testament to to SPY's performance, uh, the novelty, the 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 strategy that that's widely popular. But it's also been successful in, in weaving itself into the, the fabric of financial markets. And um, by that, I mean, SPY is used, it's it's the pinnacle of liquidity, and it's used for, um, its options are used for a volatility index that's similar to the VIX. Um, it's, its options are used for overlay strategies on, on ETFs and, and mutual funds. And um, it's just like the center of the trading world and as far as, uh, you know, stock exchanges are concerned. And, um, 
for example, the the Vanguard S and P 500 ETF, which is um, ticker VOO, it's catching up in terms of assets to to spy. Um, it's pretty close, not quite there, but um, but spy trades 20 times more per day than VOO. So it's getting some competition yeah. as. We, you know, we sit here in 2023. Well, what do you think the future holds for SPY? Yeah, so for those that reason, like it, the fact that it's such an integral part of financial markets, I don't see it going away for the foreseeable future. But um, like all new inventions, there are um, flaws that you know other newer competitors might not have to deal with, and so. Um, one of those is that SPY is actually a unit investment trust, which most ETFs are not. And so what that means is they um, can't reinvest dividends or do securities lending to help reduce costs for, um, for their investors. And, and so it does put them at a slight disadvantage, but even bigger disadvantage is um, their fee of nine and a half basis points, which is low overall. But... There are S&P 500 ETFs for two or three basis points, like VOO or the iShares um, S&P 500 ETF, which is ticker IVV. And and so VOO and IVV are sort of hot on SPY's tail. And, and so I expect one of those two ETFs to be the world's largest ETF in, in the next few years. Well, we just have to wait and see. Yeah. So. SPY holds the title as the world's largest ETF, yeah. but it's not the world's first, right? No, it's not the first. And and a lot of people, you know, they don't know this, right? The, the first ETF was actually launched in Canada in 1990. And so just want to give a shout out to Canada for, for coming out the first ETF. is a TIPS 30 index ETF. Um, so it's the best thing to come out of Canada since since Jonathan Taves for any Blackhawks fans out there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we can have a whole conversation about that. Yeah. But, um, Brian, thank you for joining Investing Insights today for your insights on SPY. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. You may be looking for some ideas to generate investment income. Here's Morningstar Investment Management's Editorial Director, David Harrell, with this month's three dividend stocks. Hi, I'm David Harrell with Morningstar Investment Management. In this monthly video series, we take a look at the dividend prospects of three stocks that are popular with income investors. First up this month is United Parcel Service, a company that is approaching dividend aristocrat status. Dividend aristocrats are the companies that have increased their dividends each year for at least 25 years in a row, and UPS could earn that designation in 2025. However, UPS is also a stock where the rate of dividend growth hasn't always kept up with the appreciation in its stock price. A little over a year ago, the stock was yielding less than 2%, but in early 2022, UPS raised its dividend by nearly 50%. That increase, along with an 18.9% decline in the share price in 2022, boosted UPS's yield to more than 3%. UPS just announced its dividend increase for 2023, which is expected, was more modest than last year's, a raise of about 6.5%. Last year's increase represented a structural change in the company's dividend approach, bringing the payout ratio higher. It also followed a year of extremely strong earnings growth. I believe ongoing raises will probably more closely track the company's rate of annual earnings growth. 
Next up is defense contractor Lockheed Martin, which has raised its quarterly dividend rate by a consistent amount, 20 cents, every year for five years running. However, that also means the increases have gotten smaller on a percentage basis. Still, the most recent raise represented a 7.1% increase, and five-year annualized dividend growth is a healthy 9.4%. But Lockheed is another example of how dividend growth can lag stock price appreciation, resulting in a lower yield. The stock currently yields around 2.6%, down from 3.1% a little over a year ago, thanks to the stock's strong price return, nearly 37% in 2022. Finally, Paramount Global was formed by the reunion of Viacom and CBS and rebranded as Paramount Global in early 2022. Full disclosure, I don't own this stock, but my spouse does. While Paramount trades at a large discount to fair value and currently provides a yield of more than 4%, future dividend growth could be minimal. Morningstar analysts note that the combined firm will invest more aggressively in creating content and in revitalizing the cable networks in Paramount Studio, along with paying down the debt load. Management has made no mention of the dividend or possible increases to it in the three earnings calls held since the merger. And the current dividend represents more than half of consensus earnings for 2022, which will be released later this month, and a larger percentage for fiscal 2023. To me, this doesn't seem promising for any near-term dividend increases. I'm David Harrell with Morningstar Investment Management. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next month. Thanks, David. Subscribe to Morningstar's YouTube channel to see new videos about market news, personal finance, and investment picks. Thanks to podcast producer Jake Bankerson. And thanks to all of you out there for tuning into Investing Insights. I'm your host, Ivana Hampton. I'm a senior multimedia editor here at Morningstar. Take care. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of Morningstar Inc. and its affiliates. While this guest may license or offer products and services of Morningstar and its affiliates, unless otherwise stated, he or she is not affiliated with Morningstar and its affiliates. Morningstar does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. Morningstar Research Services is a subsidiary of Morningstar Inc. and is registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Morningstar Research Services shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analyses, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decision.